0: As Melinda comes to read the scripture this morning, this is a strange, very short set of verses. It is about what, what's required of us as disciples of Christ. What, what do we need to do? Where do we need to focus if we're to understand, truly understand discipleship? And so I invite Melinda to, to read for us. Now when Jesus saw great crowds around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. A scribe then approached and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God, friends. What I want to do, and the reason the screens are down this morning, uh, is I want to walk through pieces of what was presented yesterday, but take it to a, a kind of a different, more spiritual level than even what we did yesterday. That what we're trying to do is is really focus in as a church on some very specific areas that will hopefully guide us into the future and define our work in a in a much more uh, kind of focused way. And so as, as I walk through this, you're going to notice some very familiar things. Next slide. First of all, I want to again thank the 52 people who were here yesterday. And you know what? Pretty much without exception, they stuck it out through the whole day. And, and by that, I mean five hours. What was, what was overwhelming to me and to Jenny um, was just the, the depth of the conversation, the openness of the communication, the honesty that was, that was shared there as we explore this kind of, um, not really shift in direction, but, but focusing in a little more on, on those things that define us and will direct us. And they're going to center on these two words and you see them up here right now. First of all, I want to say we are unapologetically Christian. Now, here's what we're not. We are not judgmentally Christian and there is a significant difference between these two we are not finger pointing Christians we are not necessarily Bible upside the head two by four Christians but we are Christian we are followers of Jesus there is not one of us not one of us that can't get better or learn something new about what it means to be a follower of Jesus so one of the areas that we focus on is discipleship Discipleship is not a dirty word. <clears throat> discipleship is a word that defines us. But there are four other words in the midst of discipleship that also define us, and they're up here. Growing, We are growing in faith, love, health, and service. Those four words came out of a year and a half's worth of work with two iterations of a vision task force. It is amazing, isn't it, how much time it takes to get to a point of looking at things like core values, of looking at things like scripture, of looking at the strengths that we have as a church. And over that time, these four words emerged as those four words that best define who we are as a church. We are focused on faith, which I'm going to deal with a little more deeply in just a second. We are focused on learning better how to love each other. We are focused on... Health And that has been born out of years of work in this church, but also even something as simple. I can't say simple because I wrote it like the Seattle to Portland bike ride and all the preparation that went into that. But uh, we're focused on health, emotional, physical, intellectual and spiritual health. And at the heart of this church is service. At the heart of this church is service. But I even think we can do a better job there. And so that is what defines us. And the word that identifies that most readily is discipleship. Then there's that second word. You know, I go to a group every Friday morning, very early on Friday morning, with a group of men. And and we're right now studying um, a book by Brian McLaren. And just two weeks ago, we studied a chapter on evangelism. You know, having spent some time with Brian, it's been an amazing conversation back and forth on trying to recapture this word and not narrow it down, but broaden it out into what has become all, all too often as seen throughout the world. Evangelism seems to be tied almost directly with very conservative, almost fundamentalist kind of faith. I think what our, our, many of us want to do is recapture that word and, and allow it to mean what it was meant to mean in the beginning. Evangelism in its purest form simply means bringers of good news. Bringers of good news. You just heard me talk about that. And so as you look at those four words that I also just identified, discipleship is right growing in faith, love, health, and service. Evangelism is offering or sharing faith, love, health, and service. And those two elements define who we are. We need to focus in on those areas, even more than we have in the past. Next slide, Munda. So what we're doing is a process, and to a great extent that, that kind of was a continuation of the Vision Task Force, the continuation of 51 years of ministry in this church, but so how do we focus in even more? How do we become kind of less scattered and really focus in? Well, you know, uh, Jenny Andrews and I have spent months kind of developing ideas around a model that will help us get there. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the model. If you want to see it, it's, it's, it's a six-foot triangle in, fellow, in Friendship Hall. And it has multiple tiers, a few of which I'm going to walk through this morning. But this is a process that really is going to, it needs to be open to all voices in the church. And you'll see how it builds on one another. It is, next slide, an inverted triangle that begins with Christ at the base, Christ at the foundation. And even beyond that, some very specific areas of Christ's teaching that we've been focusing on some as a church. And then it grows from there into a, a, a small group of leaders and a wider group of, of voices and leaders into a wider group of teams doing work into the worshiping congregation, going into the community, into the world, all under the umbrella of trying to bring heaven to earth. And again, I'll go into that next slide. At the base of this is, is this set of scriptures that, that you've heard about it's the Beatitudes. That if you were to take the teachings of Jesus and bring them down and distill them down into their purest form, and what that hope and expectation is about a Christian community, these nine elements more readily define that than anywhere else in Scripture. So let's walk through those one more time, very quickly. If we are to truly understand discipleship, the first thing that we ha- have to understand is our own spiritual poverty. In other words, we don't have all the answers. We become blessed or focused when we understand our need for God. And if we understand our need for God, it opens up this possibility that we will engage in a way that will help bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And I'll get into more of that in just a second. In the midst of that searching we need to allow ourselves the opportunities to feel deeply for each other. To feel deeply for each other. And the word that is described in this second beatitude is to be able to mourn with each other. And we're mourning today. The Moss family lost a significant person in their family and we mourn with them today. We feel deeply with them today, and we will surround them with that. But it also goes beyond mourning. In feeling deeply with each other, we also celebrate things. Like Renee, sorry to miss your birthday party. I was dealing with some ministry stuff, but happy birthday. And I can announce that because it's pretty public, right? What number that is? 25. (laughs) 25. That's a milestone, girl. It's a milestone, 25. So way to go. But happy birthday. And we celebrated Camille's birthday, little Camille Browder's birthday this morning. And Don Fadden's birthday we celebrated at the event yesterday. We celebrate birthdays. We surround folks like the Fredine family as you are going through some stuff right now. And I know that it's coming this afternoon. And just know that we're with you as you walk down that journey. And when people are having surgery and when people are ill, and I mean... We feel deeply with each other. It's part of why we have prayer time and worship, and it's, it's certainly why we pray for each other. But it goes deeper than that. In feeling deeply, we have been given permission to also be receiving those prayers and receiving that focus. It is an incredibly powerful feeling of comfort and encouragement and nurture in community. This is a challenge. This third one, I, I, I think, for I, I've dealt with this in every church where I have served, where there are those that just know that they are God, <laughs> and I don't want to argue with them because it just takes an enormous amount of stress. And, and and at the same time, if we recognize that none of us are God and that we can all learn as disciples. It opens up tremendous possibilities to share with each other. I shared two instances yesterday in the church that were just so overtly negative. And so what do we do with those? And the response that came back is we surround those individuals who would act that way or do those kinds of things with love and with grace and with redirection in love and grace. We realize that we are not God. We realize our need for God. And we realize that all are beloved children of God. And that in itself allows for love, acceptance, and grace. Next slide. <clears throat> we are motivated to go deeper. Like, the, like those who are hungry are motivated to find food. And those in the desert who are thirsty who are motivated to find water to be quenched, that is the level at which we are to be motivated to go deeper and to find out more information. And if we are motivated that way and we seek that way, we will be fed and filled with understanding. We also recognize those who are in need of mercy. Mercy is not mourning. Mercy is a time where we help. We forgive. We are motivated to be merciful with each other. And that attitude alone allows and opens up the possibility of also because we all need it at some times in our lives is to receive mercy. That reciprocal miracle of relationship. And we recognize that in that there is a giving and receiving that creates deeper power and deeper love and grace. Blessed are those who recognize their need for purity. Who when we fail, and we all do, all of us do, when we fail, we understand that in a community of love and grace, we can go to those folks and ask for forgiveness. When we fail God, we know that we believe in a God who loves us dearly and we can go to God and ask for forgiveness and grace. And it is what we do. And I have to tell you, I don't know of anywhere else in the world, anywhere, where that kind of community is seeking to be set up. And if we can do that, we will experience God, not only in each other, but in the grace and forgiveness we feel from God. Next slide. And here's the, here's the bottom line. We are peacemakers. We are peacemakers at every single level. And the peace that we offer and the peace that we seek goes beyond the normal kind of peace. It is a peace that passes understanding. It a peace, it's a peace that can only be experienced in a relationship with God. And if you, have yet, if you have yet to experience that, I want to continue to challenge you to create space in your life where you can just dwell in God's presence. And as soon as you decide to do that, as soon as you create that space, believe me, that peace will come. It will. But we also need to find those places where peace is needed and go and offer those levels of peace. And that is a part of the evangelism. And blessed are those who stand together no matter what. No matter what happens, no matter whether or not we're in conflict, no matter whether or not we are in absolute agreement, no matter what, we stand together as a body of Christ. No matter whether we're in first service or second, no matter what, we stand together. We stand together and understand that sometimes, and maybe more often than not, kind of like in marriage, compromise is miraculous. And we compromise with each other. We don't compromise our faith, but we compromise in our discussions. And we accept and we love. We accept and we love. And finally, blessed are those who are willing to take stands that may not be popular because of their faith. Heaven is theirs right here on earth. That encapsulates more than anything the teachings and actions of Jesus. And so as disciples, that's what is at our foundation. And what I just described is specific ways that we can grow in faith, in love, in health, and in service. But we don't stop there. Next slide, window What we're trying to create is a team that models that in very many ways. And I'm just going to run through these. A small group of dedicated disciples who are coming together to offer support and encouragement and prayer for the rest of the church. Next slide. And a wider group of 40 or 45 where people can come in. Anyone can come in. As any voice in the church to bring what they have, what they would like to see, what they're dreaming about, or concerns they may have in this advisory council, and it, and it widens and supports the rest of the ministries of the church. That council represents the staff; it represents the the leadership, the core leadership team, and it re- represents every team, every group, every committee, every voice potentially in the church. Why to support the next tier, which is the teams themselves. The doers. We are trying to remove the word committee from our vocabulary. It's been interesting in process as I have come to some of you and asked you to serve in certain ways. As soon as I use the word committee, guess what happens? Oh, no. 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 I shared first service. I shared yesterday. It was amazing because some of, some of our folks are brand new not only to Aldersgate but also to United Methodism. And and they saw the word trustees. And they came to me and in the narthex kind of leaned over and whispered in my ear and said, I, I, I'm looking at Don right now. I thought trustees had to deal with prison. <laughs> Yesterday a couple of our trustees said it does. <laughs> it does. But what was amazing out of that is what we're trying to create is a place that is not, you know, just, you know, making this three year commitment to this group, but 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 David Lewis yesterday talked about offering opportunities for toe dipping. That maybe I have this idea and maybe I have this desire to do something in the church, but I just want to kind of dip my toe in to see how it is. Test the waters. And our hope is that this kind of design helps people to be able to toe dip a little bit or not feel like they're in prison for a a term, but to explore maybe leadership or to explore something that interests them or to explore as a part of this body of Christ something for which they have passion. Next one. All of that comes together in this. That we are a worshiping community. And it's our worship that centers us. Our worship that our hope is inspires us. Our our worship that can help direct us. And, And I want to remind us again. We are one body of Christ. Worshiping in two distinctive ways. One body of Christ. Worshiping in two distinctive ways. And our hope is if we are defined by the Beatitudes. That patience, that mercy that feeling deeply for each other, that we will move beyond some of the other elements that, that that we've seen in some of the conflicts between first and second service. Which means that, friends, this does not need to be a distraction. This needs to be a celebration. That there are others in this body of Christ for whom the way that they worship is with this. Hi. This does not need to be a, distra- a distraction. This doesn't need to be a distraction, nor do these chairs and these unusual folks dressed in black robes. <laughs> they are a distraction, I get that. <laughs> but they don't need to be a distraction for those who worship at first service. We are one body of Christ worshiping in two ways, and let's just celebrate that. Matter of fact, I'd like to find other ways that we can worship. I shared with first service, and Dwight Brown and I are having conversation about starting a satellite worship service in a pub somewhere. You should have heard the joy from this section at first service. I will not mention names, Stan McKenzie, but, but, you know, heard the, oh yeah. Well, what if we did that? If in fact evangelism is part of what we, what we do, what if we brought this message of hope and encouragement to places where, you know, sometimes that's what's needed. Everything is focused kind of centrally at worship. But there's a reason that we do that. Next slide. It's because we are surrounded by communities. And if you look at this list of cities, if you can see those city names, every one of those cities is represented by somebody in this church. Every one of them. And I think we need to do a better job of going out into those cities and finding out specifically what the needs are. Now the danger of that is getting so scattered that we aren't able to do the kind of powerful work that we do. But here's the other deal is if we find the needs, I will bet we will find consistent needs that go beyond just feeding and clothing. But there are other needs out there for which we can be or Christ can be the answer, but we need to do the work of finding out what those are. And those needs can help define our work, and they should. And they must. But the needs don't stop in those communities. Next slide. Do they, Christy? Because there are needs out there, too. There are needs out there, too. I want to share something with you. And I hope it's okay with this couple. I'm not going to mention their name, but my son is in Thailand. My son is now uh, having worked with with three other people in Thailand to build this very rough boarding house to help save the lives of children. He's now worked by himself basically for the last three, three and a half weeks because uh, the other builders have other things that they're focusing on. I get a call twice a week and we talk deeply about what's going on in him. Adam is not a professed Christian. But something has happened in him where he knows now that he is doing God's work in a place of need. And every night now, every night, those of you that that know of this boarding house know that there's this large group of children uh, in the village. And Ponchai, who used to do this, has been off in a variety of places because he's serving other needs uh, around Thailand and around the world. So Adam picked this up. What he does now, every night, the children show up at his room, every night. And, and they just wait. And sometimes he teases them by making them wait a little longer. But as soon as he opens up his computer, they all applaud. Because what he does is then they watch a movie together. All of them sitting around this little, very rough, kind of unfinished boarding house in his room... And the last movie they watched was Despicable Me. And and he said, for days I could hear echoing through the village. If you've ever seen the movie, you know the voices that these little creatures make. And throughout the village, they were making these voices and having a blast playing Despicable Me. He said, Dad, I've never done anything like that. I've never experienced anything like that. And what they call him now is Angel Adam. angel adam it's it's life-changing for him but here's where the connection happens that was born his trip there was born out of this church after the session yesterday a long day and you know normally after a session like this i have people come to me and want to talk about where they disagree with what i presented Uh, or where they get excited. We had a whole lot more excitement around it than we had disagreement. But a couple whom I've grown to love and trust came to me and sat with me and said, have you ever thought about going to Thailand? Well, there's no way that I can go to Thailand. And they said, we'll buy the plane ticket if you can carve out the time. You need to go see your son. You need to experience this work with him. And I'm looking at the calendar right now to see if there's a way to carve out the time to go to Thailand. You know what? I have to admit to you, I have never done anything like that. But they talked about the power of sharing this with one of your children. And that it is life-changing, not only for that child, but for you as a parent to see and experience and work together in these kinds of things. My Lord, guys. I went home, and the the, the five or six or seven times I tried to share it with Dorothy, I couldn't because I just broke down every time. What an incredible gift. And I know that if I go, I will have your support. And that's a part of what we are as the body of Christ. But I, I can't even begin to thank those who have made this offer. But I wanted to share that with you. Because you know what? Sometimes... Sometimes the pastor needs evangelism. That was good news for me yesterday. But how do we know where to go and the kind of good news that needs to be brought if we don't hear from folks like you, Christy, and have opportunities to go to Ethiopia and see and share and support the ministry that you do there? Or I looked at the Tings, we're sitting right back where, where the Greens are sitting this morning and talk to them about the needs in Nepal or Vietnam or other places where they have been. But our role now as we look at Kara Bennett in Thailand and others like Adam of bringing good news. But here's the deal, friends. Good news, more often than not, is not taking the Bible and slapping people upside the head with it. It's not. Good news is building a boarding house. Good news is changing the lives of women who are fistula patients. Good news is bringing a school to Nepal. Good news is feeding the hungry in Seattle and Denver doing the same thing. Good news is bringing hope to families who have specific needs where they just need support. Good news comes in every kind of flavor, <coughs> with every kind of person. And our role is to help them, no matter who, with faith, with love, with health, and with service. That's our focus. Discipleship and evangelism. Discipleship and evangelism. And to continue to create that church that can focus in in those two ways. Amen?